Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair, and today I am here with Kurt Grice, the one and only. And we have a great conversation about recognizing who we are in light of who God is, but also just some practical considerations for how we go about living this life with God. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Stick around. I think there's some really valuable things in here. Um, And we're excited for what's to come. Welcome to Tell Me More. Uh, My name is Luke Stair. We don't have Katie with us today, and we don't have Dr. Wiles with us today. Wow. But we are joined by the one, the only, Kurt Grice. Nice touch. Katie would be so proud of my use of the buttons. That button is aptly called Big Cheer! Exclamation point. Well, I, I, I got to tell you this morning, I did the CDC devotional that I referenced in the sermon, and they did everything that I asked them to do and did it so well. And then somebody clapped after one of the things that may have been singing Jesus Loves Me or reciting John 3.16. That's a group that's good at clapping. But, oh, but then it, well, it caught on. I mean, so whoever it was, I don't think it was a teacher. I think it was one of the kids. But man, <laughs> it spread like wildfire through the group. And so then we had to just cheer each other on. Clapping said, is fun. Yeah, and affirming each other and encouraging each other because we all need encouragement. And so the kids were all in on that this Mm. It was great. Well, you preached on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. Kurt. So if you weren't here and if you don't know, our pastor, Dr. Wiles, is on his study leave through the month of July. And so all month long on Tell Me More, we'll actually have special guests. And those are the people who will be preaching. Uh, I guess on the weeks Katie and I preach, we will have to figure out if we have special guests or not. Well, y'all are the special guests we, at that point. I guess so. Uh <laughs> But Kurt Grice, our associate pastor of spiritual formation, preached on Sunday, and it was a great sermon. Um, If you haven't spent much time with Kurt, he has a depth of Bible knowledge that is hard to match. Um, And if you listened, that came across. So, Kurt, as you kind of stepped out of the pulpit, were there things that you thought about talking about in your sermon that you just didn't get to? Well, tell me more. Yeah, not not a lot because uh, I don't get to preach very often, and when I do, I enjoy it. But in the preparation, uh, I don't know how it is for you, but uh, it, there is always more than you ought to try and fit into mm. uh, a thirty-ish minute sermon. Uh, and and as you well know, before the pastor leaves, he doesn't trust us to just come up with this entirely on our own. He uh, no, has planned, he has planned out not only the year theme and the summer theme, uh, the monthly theme, but then even for that Sunday, he's assigned texts. And so uh, for me to take the assigned text, which was for Corinthians 1, 18 through, he actually gave me 25, and I thought those last six verses are too good to leave on the table. And so I included, I took the liberty of including. Kurt Grice uh, has been here long <laughs> enough to take liberties. I could do that. And so I included uh, those last six verses because they're so rich and they reinforce um, the previous verses. And so for me, uh, he had assigned the topic, uh, the, the wisdom and power of God. But as I began to read the text and pray over the text, what I realized was what I ended up emphasizing throughout was, uh, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so that that word, that phrase, that theme 
uh, just so resonated with me. And what I realized is, I, I don't recall hearing many sermons about the fear of the Lord. Um, there are very few. I, I'm not sure why that is, but since our pastor in previous weeks had preached on uh, heaven and hell, I felt like the fear of the Lord was was very appropriate. And in the context of eternity and considering eternity, uh, certainly understanding the fear of the Lord uh, is, and, and to me, I love this this phrase that I didn't coin, I'm not sure who did, or I'd perhaps attribute it to it, but uh, profound adoring awe mm. is is really this fear of the Lord, profound adoring awe and respect of God. That's That's what the fear of the Lord is. And so as you preached, you worked through a couple of different texts and images that kind of illustrate this significance of fear and what fear is. So you talked about the fear index. And so this isn't really the kind of fear that we're talking about. It's kind of the gist behind that. Um, so as you think about what the fear of the Lord means, how do you see that playing out just in your everyday life as a follower of the Jesus way? Yeah, well, for me, it's just this constant reality. And it's like anything, the more you uh, focus on it, the more you are intentional about considering it, the more it um, works its way into your life. And so for me, it's just become a constant reality. I, uh, I've got a little bit of the Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God in me. So who who is Brother Lawrence? Uh, well, you know, he, he was this uh, monk in well, France. <laughs> <laughs> he was this monk in France several hundred years ago who uh, wrote letters to friends that were later compiled. And in those letters, he talks about how he has cultivated just this sense of God's constant presence. And so he is living his life as if the Lord were ever present, as he is, but um, not just spiritually, but almost physically and consciously. And mm. so I had— <laughs> Great little is, book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Yes, and I, this whole sidebar, but— you know, for me, my my prayers are at times intentional and at times unconscious because I'm I'm interacting with God all throughout the day. We're talking it's very about First Thessalonians five seventeen okay, of you. Yes, yes. Pray continuously, pray without ceasing. And so, I think the fear of the Lord begins with taking God seriously. First, acknowledging that that God is that mm-hmm. He is the Great I Am, taking Him very seriously, and then that that profound adoring awe and respect that just affects every area of your life. And so it is a it is a paradigm. I would say it's a Weltanschung. It's your worldview. It's how you process everything uh, in the universe. And certainly there is an eternal aspect to it, but there's an incredibly imminent, constant, personal aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to dive back to Brother Lawrence because mm-hmm. it's probably, if you are a Good old Baptist, not a name you've heard before. Um, so just to kind of recap his story and why I think you should read his book. Uh, Brother Lawrence became the most spiritually known member of his monastery. If I may say so, he probably would reject he that. He didn't seek that. He did not seek it that. It came his... about just because of his humble service. Yeah, he so, was serving all the other monks. Yeah, his job humble. was the dishwasher. So he was the monastery's dishwasher. And he, as he washed dishes, what he did is he just tried to continuously turn his attention to God's presence. And he became known as he was washing pots and pans and plates and 
not a high-ranking position in the monastery, no, by the way. not even in a monastery. <laughs> um, he's just washing dishes, living his life, trying to live it with God. Becomes known across almost all of Europe for his communion with God. And people start flocking to the sink of this monastery where Brother Lawrence is washing dishes to have conversations about God with him, to learn about God. Just kind of bypassing the religious leaders of his monastery. Yeah, and it's beautiful, again, because he didn't seek it out, but God graciously favored him because what he was about was what God wanted other people to be about. Right. So in your life, cultivate a presence of God. If you're wondering how to do that, we have some mm. good resources we could throw your way. Mm. But Brother Lawrence is a good model. Yeah, and I, I love what he wrote in one of his letters that uh, he said, let me try to explain to you how I view myself before God my king. I recognize that I am just this wicked, uh, covered with sores, rebellious enemy of God. And, and yet when I acknowledge that, rather than casting me out or punishing me as I deserve, he invites me into his very presence and, and treats me as if I'm his favorite and serves me with his own hand. And so I realize that my God and my king, the, the master of the universe, loves me deeply and personally mm. and intimately. And that was the foundation of his relationship, understanding fully who God is, understanding fully who I am. And that's what makes this relationship so incredible, so phenomenal. Yeah. You used some other metaphors that I think are helpful, other images. You talked about Aslan and the Chronicles <laughs> of Narnia. Well, my daughters were, uh, and grandchildren were in the service, uh, second service. And so I felt good about referencing that, especially with them. We loved reading Chronicles of Narnia when they were younger. And so I do love this Aslan Christ-type figure mm. uh, because it communicates so well just his majesty and his love. And it's easy to underestimate him, but you do so at your own peril. Yes, exactly. I think, and I'm trying to remember what the quote was. It's from a secular uh, philosopher who was really critiquing just theism, this belief that God exists in general. Uh, but I think so often we do this as Christians. And so this quote, and I don't remember who it's from. So if you know, please let me know. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, God created man in, in his own image. Man returned the favor. Uh, I think too often we have constructed a version of God in our own minds. And it is a very tame and domesticated version of who God really is. And I think so much of what the fear of God is about is having this appropriate sense of scale between mm -hmm. ourselves and God, that God is so much greater, bigger, wilder, to borrow that kind of Aslan imagery, that God is wilder than we thought he could be. Um, but we've made this little domesticated version. Well, think about anthropomorphism is exactly that, and that's what the Greeks did. And so their great pantheon of gods we're all just really powerful, petty <laughs> gods. And, and uh, they were like just big people who had all the jealousies and horrible emotions. And, right. Uh, all. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's been going on for a really long time. But we make God in our image and make him whatever we want him to be or fear him to be rather than who he claims to be and who he's revealed himself to us. Amen. And, and uh, that even goes... Um, well, so many points to, to grow out of that. But when, when we see God as he really is and realize 
that he is distant and transcendent. I tried to use the example of the sun, that it's 93 million miles away, and yet you uh, disrespect it at your own peril, especially in Texas in the summertime mm -hmm. on a clear day. Uh, but uh, you can get burned terribly in a relatively short period of time if you don't take the sun seriously, and it's 93 million miles away. How much more should we take seriously the one who created the sun and the infinite universe Right. That we're only just now beginning to scratch the surface of. Right. So if you're a listener of this podcast and you're wondering, well, do I have these kind of domesticated versions of God in my head? How do you begin to let God reveal himself to you and kind of shatter those versions that you maybe created in your own mind? That's so good. And, and obviously, I would say read the Bible. Um, let, God, let God reveal himself rather than you try to make it up. You know, and for, well, for as long as man has been on the earth, we have uh, developed thoughts about God, created cults and religions that make sense to us. And frankly, the gospel doesn't make sense. Uh, it never has, which is why our pastor has been challenging us for, for weeks and months now that uh, we've got to gain our insight and wisdom from God's revelation, mm -hmm. not from man's reason, mm. because God's ways are above our ways as the heavens are above the earth. And man's reason has a place, but only within the context of God's revelation. Right. And we have to let God reveal himself to us. And the challenge, frankly, for most people is this concept of Trinity. Uh, those of us that have been doing this a long time have to acknowledge it's a mystery uh, beyond our grasp. Our our finite cognition is incapable of fully grasping the mm -hmm. enormity and the immensity of who God is. And so even something as simple as the, this Trinitarian fellowship uh, that exists, that we do believe that uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit uh, are each aspects, persons, um, functions, if you will, within the same— Three persons, one being. Within the same amazing deity. Uh, known as God. And so um, I think the first step then in developing the accurate understanding of who God is, is realize it's beyond your understanding. Right. And to let God be God that exists in eternity. Uh, and uh, today's Bible reading was John 19. Of course, before that was John 18. But going back to John 17, which is this wonderful uh, prayer that Jesus prays, and and the Trinitarian fellowship is woven in mm -hmm. there. Of course, go back to 16. He's talking about the person of the of the Holy Spirit, uh, God the Spirit. And then he's talking to God the Father in this prayer. But he talks about us being one. I'm returning to you to, to regain the glory that I had before the world was created. <coughs> uh, and so he, he he's referencing something we can't even comprehend, but he, before the universe is, was created, this wonderful, perfect uni, uh, unity of, of Father, Son, and Spirit existed. But then um, for our uh, well-being, for our good, the Spirit leads us into all truth, and Jesus has accomplished what only he could accomplish. And and he wants the Father to, to be glorified and lifted up, but uh, the way that happens he says it's through this unity of, mm -hmm. of the followers of Jesus. And so his prayer wasn't just for his immediate disciples and for that group that was following him. 
he specifically prays for you and me that that we would become followers of, of Jesus because of their testimony and their message and all. So it's all beautifully woven in there. And so um, just understanding that God is God and that you are a created being, that you're broken, that you're sinful, and yet God loves you perfectly. That was the beauty of Brother Lawrence's faith was he he, he knew his mm-hmm. own limitation. He knew that that he was nothing, that he was dust. Um, from dust he had come to dust he would return, and yet God loves him as if he were the only one and loves him beautifully and perfectly. That That'll preach, and that'll get all over you, and if that's your overwhelming reality, it affects everything in your life. Mm. So for someone listening, and they're kind of wondering, okay, well, what do I do now? I've heard this sermon. I've listened to this podcast. <laughs> what now? What do I do now? What would you tell them? Yeah, just give yourself fully to, to God. Um, own your junk. Don't try to look to the world for truth, for wisdom. Um, Jesus loves everyone, but not everyone uh, are his children. It's only those who have uh, acknowledged their sin, pledged their allegiance to King Jesus, uh, have given their heart and life to him, and then trust him each day. Uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. Oh, God in heaven, you are holy and exalted. And my prayer is that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in my life and my family and my relationships, my community, just as is in heaven. And I'm going to trust you today to meet my needs. Um, I'm going to try to forgive people the way you've forgiven me. I'm going to ask you to help me avoid temptation and in so doing overcome the evil one because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so. Um, God will show you. Uh, His Spirit is so profound and personal and intimate that the counselor, the comforter, Mm. you know, I I believe what the Holy Spirit does perfectly well is to afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. So today, (laughs) if you're just carrying all this burden, recognizing your own inadequacy and sinfulness, just confess that to God. And like Brother Lawrence, uh, he will lovingly meet you where you are and invite you into his presence. If you're a bit too cocksure and full of yourself, then you need to be brought low and, and to, to stop worshiping yourself and start worshiping Almighty God. Hmm. So we've talked about the Spirit. Obviously, we have a series, if you didn't know. August mm, is going to focus on the supernatural. Talking about the Holy Spirit. You've alluded to and talked about the Holy Spirit quite a bit today. Mm. So as our listeners, as our church members are trying to figure out, okay, I'm going to live life in tune with God. Obviously, part of that's communing with the Holy Spirit. How do we begin to recognize that we're getting really far afield from your sermon now, but entirely still related? <laughs> How do we begin to recognize kind of the activity and the voice of the Spirit moving in our lives? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And in our little book, uh, Growing Deeper, uh, the first step is silence and solitude. And we are so used to constant distraction mm-hmm. and the noise of the world. There's this white noise that we've become addicted to that we've got to very intentionally pull away from. And as we're trying to practice and encourage some of our leaders, our our staff, our our members to practice this listening prayer, it starts with silence and solitude. And so you've got to set aside a very intentional time to get away from just the noise, the distraction, and to just place yourself in the presence of God, Mm -hmm. just to listen to Him. And you don't have to have any great, deep, creative thoughts. It's all about the intentionality of being in God's presence. 
Yeah. For no other reason than he is worthy and you need it. And you need to be reminded of who you are as small and insignificant as you are so that you can be reminded of how majestic and awesome he is. And then strangely in that moment, you become less uh, concerned about things that can seem so important. The and things it of earth will go strangely, grow strangely dim. dim in the light of his glory and grace. Yeah. And so you've got to give God space to work. And he's so incredibly gracious. He doesn't force himself on us. Uh, but if we choose to make space for him, he is so incredibly gracious to, to meet us where we are. And so just creating space. So uh, the silence and the solitude, the reading and reflection, reading scripture. That's why we have a mm-hmm. daily Bible reading and then reflecting on that meditating, chewing the cud, as it were. And then you can move into service and sacrifice. Um, In the apologetic catechism that we'll be sharing later in the fall, um, I always begin with the great priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's the silence and the solitude and the reading and the reflection. Uh, Then you'll begin to love the Lord your God, uh, the great commandment, you'll begin to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then ultimately, you can uh, engage in the Great Commission, mm-hmm. which is to to share what you've learned with others and okay. invite them to participate with you. So if I'm summarizing, <laughs> kind of step one of the life with God is spending time with God. It is silence and solitude, and I'll line up some kind of practical considerations here in a second. Mm-hmm. It's an involvement in Scripture, not just for the sake of knowledge, but to let Scripture begin to shape and change your heart and it mind. Is, it is information, but it's about transformation. Right. I love the information about Scripture. I went to seminary. I studied a lot of it. But it turns out you actually don't need to do that to be a follower of Jesus. Amen. And that's a very beautiful thing. Most aren't and most won't go to, to seminary. No, it turns out that not education. everyone needs to yeah. know the entireties of Greco-Roman context. Um, so you meditate, you chew on Scripture. We can talk about that too, some practical considerations. Then you live life in community. We've talked about you get shaped theologically. And then you live a life of service and sacrifice. To summarize, so if you are a listener thinking, well, I've never really learned how to sit and listen and be with God. What do I do? I'd say that so much of our time in Baptist life, we talk to God. We're really good at praying for people. Um, I didn't grow up in this Baptist church. I grew up in a different Baptist church, but no one taught me how to sit and listen. So if you're wondering how do I do that, uh, this is something I learned in my time among the Quakers. I feel like I'm talking about. They're pretty good at it. They are. That's actually what they're all about. Not so much, but Quakers are really good. It's pretty much what they do. Um, so if you're wondering, how do I do that? How do I learn to sit and be with God? Uh, Kurt alluded, alluded to listening prayer. We've actually been kind of working on helping our staff lean more into this practice. We set up a weekly time to do it. But some practical considerations. Uh, find a time. Uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, if you're brand new and you are brand new to silence, Five minutes, keep it short, build up. Uh, You may not have a tolerance for it yet. Um, You may be shocked by how intolerant of silence you are. It it is remarkable. And I I see kids, and I don't don't want to be stereotypical or unfair, but people have these little white earbuds in in their ears all the time. Now, that may just be for an emergency phone call, or they may be actually listening to stuff all the time. And some of that could be really good, but... If you put your all your electronics in another room and yeah. and there are no distractions and wherever that space is, 
that you're not going to be distracted. Five minutes can seem like a long time if you're not can. used to this. Ten minutes, oh my goodness. But even to not be watching the clock, because it's not about how long, it's about what you're actually accomplishing in that time. Right. And I will say, it may not feel like you accomplish anything, and that's actually very normal. There are no masters at prayer. So, And can I just say this? The Christian life is never intended to be transactional. No. It isn't, okay, God, I'll do this if you'll do that. No, then don't, don't bother. Don't waste your time. God, if I pray, God, if I do this, God, do that, then you'll have to do something for me. He's already done everything he would ever need right. to do for you. And you just need to humbly place yourself in his presence. So what I do is I put my phone away, don't put on the ear pods, airplane mode, silence mode, whatever you've got to do. Uh, out of the room is even better if you can manage it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a parent of children, so finding silent space <laughs> is a challenge. So I do this in my car most of the time. Uh, but turn off the radio, put the phone in the backseat, whatever I've got to do. Uh, but sit comfortably. Uh, there's some practical things. Don't cross your legs because it turns out when you feel that pins and needles sensation from your leg going to sleep, it's very distracting. So don't cross your legs. You don't think about these things when it comes to praying, but there are some serious physical implications for how your body can distract you. Neutral posture. Neutral posture. Don't cross your legs. I put my hands in my lap, kind of palm side up as kind of an openness reminder that I'm here to receive, not give. And offer up. And offer up. So palms up in my lap, that's what I do. You don't have to do that, uh, but I don't cross my legs again because when your legs fall asleep, you will lose your focus. Um, the other thing is if you fall asleep, it's okay. I once heard a, a very wise uh, person say that if you fall asleep while you're doing listening prayer, God is just giving you what you needed. And as a parent of young children, you can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. <laughs> so there's a lot of grace here. Uh, but then what I do is I just say, I say a prayer, God, help me focus and be with you in this moment. And then I pick a word or a phrase from scripture. Sometimes it's just as simple as the word Jesus. Sometimes I take from 1 Samuel and I say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And when I feel my thoughts kind of race around like a ping pong table, uh, you know, if you've ever seen people play ping pong, sometimes that's how my mind feels. So when I feel thoughts race, what I do is in my mind, when I feel those things happen, I just gently call my attention back to God's presence by thinking that word or phrase from Scripture. Again, sometimes it's simple as Jesus, Holy Spirit, or it's as long as speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, you choose your phrase. There's nothing magical about it. It's just there to call your attention back to God and why you're there. And then I sit. Uh, sometimes I set a timer on my phone. If I do that, I put it far away from me. Um, that way it's not a temptation for me to grab it or look at it. Uh, and I set the timer because as a parent of young children, I'm prone to fall asleep during this time. So a timer is just a safety measure for myself. Uh, <laughs> An hour later, everybody's wondering where you are. <laughs> and so I'm asleep in the car. And so I'm not taking an accidental hour-long nap. Um, but I set that timer, again, just as a safety reminder that if I fell asleep, it's going to wake me up. Um and then I put the phone away. I set it away from myself and I sit and I be with God. And maybe I will feel something happen in my heart. Maybe I won't. Um, it's a practice. Yeah. And, and God moves in different ways at different times. None of this is as formulaic even as we're making it sound because, uh, again, it's just it's unique to the individual. Some people are 
hyperactive, attention deficit. Some people just frankly have not ever sat quietly except when they're dead asleep. Uh, but for you to cultivate this over time is intentionality, first of all, that you're you're proving to God and yourself that you're taking this seriously. And right. so you're willing to do it. And then how it evolves is it, it be sort of unique to you in the moment. But God is so very gracious. At times he will impress. The Spirit of God will impress something on us. And it may be conviction. It, it may, may be someone's yes, face. Yes, Someone exactly. Someone you need to have conversation exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. It's strange how it can uh, come up and, and you aren't sure maybe initially, but then you may be very sure what I need to do. And then I would just encourage you to be obedient to that. If if in that moment God prompts something in you, then don't wish it away. Pay attention. Seek to be attentive and to be obedient uh, in that moment. Yeah, and the reason we, I think, suggest and advise this type of prayer is we're a word-centered church, uh, but we also want to be a spirit-led church. So I think word-centered, spirit-led are some things that have been in my mind and heart a lot lately. And we want you to be rooted and grounded in the Holy Word of God, but we want you to recognize that you live in a dynamic relationship with the God of the universe who loves you and wants to be with you and has called you to co-labor for the benefit of the kingdom of God in the world. And part of you doing that well is going to require you setting aside some time to learn to recognize the Spirit's voice and the Spirit's leadership. Amen. And as you begin to do this, I can guarantee you it will be awkward at first because— Oh, it's the worst. Uh, all of us uh, are, are not good at this. Some are better than others. But it becomes more normal, more natural as you do it. And I believe you sense this is something that's been missing in your life that you didn't even know was missing because we push it away and we get so busy and, and we don't have time to sit quiet. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, you always have time for the things you put first. I leave work schedule. 10 minutes early. I leave for work 10 minutes early, sit in my car for 10 minutes before I go in. But then as you uh, put yourself in God's presence and listen to him and learn to uh, love and adore him in awe and reverence, of him, uh, and then just give your life to him, he will use you in ways that you don't expect, those mm -hmm. divine appointments that he sets. And he can't use you unless you're, you're willing and uh, want to glorify him. But if you do, he will make opportunities constantly for you to live out this faith, this calling, uh, to represent him as his ambassador, to use whatever gifts and talents and relationships and sphere of influence you have. But this is the key critical uh, mm -hmm. source of all that is he is your source of power. It's living out. We'll go back another chapter in John, John 15. It's the whole vine and branches thing of abiding in him. This is abiding in Jesus. And when we abide in him, then his spirit flows through us and he's able to use us for his glory. Amen. <laughs> okay. Kurt and I have actually been talking about this a lot lately, and I don't know how related to the sermon this was, but this is, I think, something that's been bo on both of our minds and hearts a lot lately. Um, well, this is what I, I feel like our people need, just these basic practices that the people of God have, have been living out their faith with mm -hmm. since inception. And especially now, the world is so busy, so polarized. There's so much anger, everyone's an expert on this or that or the other thing, that we've got to be grounded. And I love what you said about deep roots. And I mentioned Psalm 1. That's one of those uh, 
key passages that we go back to, but um, the, the deep roots that come from this kind of practice will serve you in every arena of your life. And it's building your life on the solid rock of, of Jesus Christ. He is that firm foundation. And so when the storms come, as they inevitably will, uh, you're, you're rooted and grounded in the stability of God mm-hmm. and the enormity of God. And it just puts everything else in, in right perspective. Yeah, it does. If I could offer one last image that I've thought about, I don't know if you've ever been alone. You, you're from Florida, so you have, of course, <laughs> been alone on the beach. Uh, uh, there's nothing like uh, it. Um, you don't talk when you're alone at the beach. No, you listen. You listen. And I've never felt smaller than when I've stood on the edge of the beach and recognize just the enormity and complexity and the wildness of the ocean in front of me. If you've ever lived on the ocean, you know to, to use this word, to fear it. Um, the ocean's not something you take lightly right. if you've spent much time with it. But man, there is just something that happens inside when we hit the beach by ourselves and have that sense of scale that I am small. Yeah, and it, and it can happen at any point point, but if you can find a stretch of beach where you're alone, relatively alone, if you can be there at sunrise or sunset, uh, it's just, it's miraculous. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And so, But it's yeah. a fraction oh, of yeah. what we're talking about oh. in relationship with God. Yeah, just scratching the surface. And so, obviously, the mountains can uh, sort of engender that same sense of awe, uh, any beauty in nature. I think helps us uh, commune, and that's uh, sometimes challenging in, in the big city. But I think God has forever that the heavens declare the glory of mm-hmm. God. So just even being able to look at the, the sky uh, and, and get a sense of, of the vastness, the immensity of it yeah. all. But yeah, nature just has a way of reminding us of, of who God is and who we are. And so uh, our family is going to be heading to the beach here later this month, and I am hoping for a time such as you just described. Mm. Well, I hope you get it. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, We will be back next week. Hopefully, Katie and I can find some time with Dr. Gary Stidham, Mm -hmm. um, who's going to do such a good job on Sunday. I'm excited. He always does. He always does. Is it is it intentional that the two bald preachers went right in a row? No, but I, I recall last year we had this same sequence, and and he called me out. Okay. Uh, I, I just I happen to be sitting on the front row, so I could be supportive of him. And he made reference to our lack of hair, but I'm I'm very comfortable with that. You would represent the other end of the spectrum. I am on the other end of that spectrum. That's true. <laughs> um, wow! Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we hope that this has just been a good, helpful conversation for you. Um, they're just yeah. Life with God is amazing, and we want to help you live it. Amen. It's it's the it's the only true life. It's easily the best life, and it is abundant life now, but in the context of this summer series, it is eternal life. It is indeed. And it's going to be really good, and it's not floating on clouds with harps being bored to death. Thank it's greater, God. It's greater than we could ever imagine. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone.
Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.